Good morning. It is good to see everyone here today. It's good to be here as our first Sunday as part of the family here at Waterson Trail. We are excited to be part of this family, and we, uh, we received a great welcome yesterday. You know, when we were packing up the truck in, in Alabama, it, we, didn't get any, we didn't have anybody to help us. It took us two days, uh, just us, to get that truck and trailer loaded up. When we got here, it took you all about an hour to get it unloaded. Amen to that. I love that. So now comes the hard part, trying to get all those boxes unpacked and put away. So uh, we will uh, eventually get there. It's going to take us a while to learn everybody's names, so please uh, be patient with us and forgiving if we don't remember your name right off the bat. So uh, it's just going to take us some time, but we, we look forward to getting to know all of you even, you know, just really well and, and just becoming great friends and, and great workers for the Lord together. This morning, uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to that, that passage. And you know, thinking about Father's Day today, uh, for those of us who are dads, you know, being a dad doesn't come easy, does it? Being a dad is not an easy thing. Being a the kind of dad whose kids are going to remember him one day with fondness and joy, that's hard work. Being the kind of dad who, although he's far from perfect, still manages to love and lead his children well, that is not an easy task. Being the kind of dad who knows when to firmly say, son, just walk it off, and when to put his pride away and play princess with his little girl is tough stuff. You know, being the kind of father that every girl wants to walk her down the aisle one day, and every young boy wants to be like when he grows up, is tough stuff. It takes a ton of work to be that kind of dad. Now, if this is something that you, or perhaps the man in your life, is struggling with, that you need a little bit of help, you know, there's a lot of different help books on the market today that will help you with being that type of dad. They proactively um, uh, help you improve your masculine aptitude and your fatherly fitness. Guy-oriented insights that come uh, that help men gain insights into what it is to be a man from people like Benjamin Franklin and Teddy Roosevelt. You can find books like that. Books will teach you how to build a campfire, how to shave like your grandpa, and how to have the talk with your kids. Now, before you scoff at somebody writing a book and telling you how to be a man, keep in mind that such books, such writings, are part of a very long heritage. In fact, how-to wisdom can even be found in the things that God has written for us. In fact, today, Proverbs chapter 3 is arguably one of the books that had such sage advice on how to be a man, on how to be even a father. In chapter 3, we find the writer who is a father himself offering his son a lesson that applies to everyone, whether you're a man or not. This father is offering his son something deeper than learning how to build a campfire 
or how to shave or how to choose the right cufflinks. Proverbs 3, his son and us as well are getting a lesson on godliness. And that's something that's missing in the world today is godliness. This is something that's missing in fathers and sons all over the world today is godliness. The art of walking closer with our Creator. Now, it's clear from his words that, like being a great dad, the art of godliness does not come easy, does it? But it does come down to a handful of practices and a handful of attitudes that any man or woman aiming at spending their days should be readily embracing. First, says the Father, Godliness is grounded in an attitude of unrelenting love. At the heart of the Hebrew faith was a belief in Yahweh's chesed. Now, chesed is a Hebrew word that is often translated as steadfast love. It's the idea that God's love for his people will never give up. God's love for his people will never fade away. It's a belief that the goodness of God, although at times it's shrouded, sometimes in seasons of struggle and pain, it's always in hot pursuit of the people of God. The godly person then is one who, having been transformed by such unrelenting love, displays this faithful, unrelenting love to other people. Fathers, you display this unrelenting love to your wife and to your children. And you try to pass that on. The writer writes, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Godliness, it seems, is first and foremost a God-shaped inner integrity. It's, div- it's a divinely inspired attitude that quickly drives you to forgiveness and to reconciliation, as well as to be that type of father or husband or wife or friend who refuses to run but fights for the future of your relationship. Now in verses 5 through 8, the father continues this inward focus on the art of godliness and he tells us that a truly godly person will not only have this unrelenting love for others but also an intellectual humility about himself or herself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, he says, and be not wise in your own eyes. You know, it may sound simple, but a key skill for the godly is the refusal to believe that, hey, I've already got all the answers. That's something that all of us need to refuse to believe because we don't. 
It doesn't matter how long we've been a child of God. It doesn't matter how many classes that we have studied. It doesn't matter how many degrees that we can hang on our wall. You know what? We don't have all the answers. And I don't stand before you this morning at the beginning of our relationship claiming to have all the answers because the more I study, the more I find out. I don't. I do not have all the answers. As a matter of fact, the older I get, sometimes I figure the dumber I am. <laughs> but you know what? Together we can try to find them. Together we'll find those answers. And that, folks, is what humility is all about. It's understanding that we can't answer every question. We can't understand everything. A truly godly person is going to be well aware of their limitations and not just submit themselves to the wisdom of others, but also we need to submit ourselves to the will and wisdom of God the Father. This means that the art of godliness, folks, is also the art of prayer, where we make our needs known to our Heavenly Father. It's the art of studying scriptures where we submit ourselves to the truths that are revealed within. It's the art of repentance where we figure out, hey, I've been going down the wrong path and we actively turn from our prideful actions, from our prideful, dare I say, idolatries, and we turn to the love and the wisdom and the goodness of God in Christ instead. A father, a mother, a son, or daughter who does these things is truly humble and therefore is well on the way to being truly godly. Now the father in Proverbs continues, but now the father shifts away from these inner attitudes and put a, puts his focus on how a godly person will approach the stickiest of issues we face as human beings. And that is the stewardship of our belongings. What do we do with our stuff that we love to accumulate? Too often we wrongly attach far too much of our identity and far too much of our our personal pace to the accumulation of inanimate objects. We attach far too much worry and far too much worship to these seemingly big things. But they're not. We get concerned about how much money we have in the bank account. We get concerned about how much equity we have in our home. We get concerned about on and on. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a good bank account. There's nothing wrong with having good equity in your home. There's nothing wrong with accumulating things. You know, it's kind of like that collection of baseball cards that dads refuses to get rid of. You know, he's got that beloved Daryl Strawberry rookie card sitting up in grandma's house collecting dust. There's nothing wrong with collecting things. The godly, however, have a slightly different attitude toward those things that they collect. 
the godly are those who begun by the power of the Holy Spirit to reverse the effects of our inborn hoarder mentality. Specifically, the godly discover that the joy, there's, there's joy in being generous with those things that God has so richly blessed us with. And we worshipfully submit those things that we have to the service of God. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the writer writes, and with the first fruits of your produce. Doing so, he asserts, unlocks true satisfaction. When we use the things that we have for the service of God, that's where true satisfaction lies. The godly man or woman knows this. He or she has realized that when you consecrate your stuff as having come from God and having belonged to God to, from, to begin with, we're set free from this enslaving, idolatrous attitude that our possessions are God. When they're not. A life lived in the art of godliness is a life lived in financial generosity to the work of the kingdom and toward the needs of other people. After all, Jesus once said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So one of the, art, one of the arts of godliness is making good use of your belongings for the betterment of the kingdom and the betterment of other people. Now last, the writer of Proverbs gives us one description of the godly that seems particularly appropriate on Father's Day. The godly realize that God is sovereignly molding and shaping our lives even to the point of correcting us. The godly embrace and do not despise divine discipline. He says in chapter 3 and verse 12, The Lord reproves the one he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now, as much as we would love to live our lives devoid of any correction or any consequence, much as we'd love to live our lives by writing our own rules and doing what we want to do, it simply doesn't work that way in the family of God, does it? It doesn't work that way. Through faith in Christ as your forgiver and your reconciler, we've been brought into the family of God. And as such, the Father in heaven has become, well, our Father, right? He's our Father. And like any good dad, he gets a say in my life. And he will discipline us. I'm not saying he'll punish us, because there's a difference. He will discipline us when our lives get too far off his intended path. Now, the godly are not going to hold this against God. What the godly do is they see this as evidence of God's love. If God disciplines me, that means he loves me. Now, I can remember, oh, a long time ago, I guess when I was a teenager, 
And it's according to my kids, that was back in the dark ages. You know, we lived in Indiana at the time, and that was back when we did the bus ministry. You know, we'd go out to the neighborhoods, pick up a bunch of kids, bring them in. And I remember this one boy. Oh, I mean, I tell you what, he was, he was you know what, on wheels. Uh, he's, he was, yeah, many times he got sat out in the hallway during the, the kids' class and the kids' worship. And he was just, at, at some point, we dreaded even picking this boy up. It was like, please don't let him be on the bus today. Oh, here he is. You know, and we would have to get after him. But you know what? That's exactly what he needed and what he wanted. Because as soon as we started showing some discipline toward him, he responded by making a 180 degree turn. And ended up becoming a leader in the children's program. And we baptized that boy. Why? Because our discipline, which he never got at home, obviously, showed that we loved him. He didn't get that recognition at home. And folks, it's the same way with our father. When we get off track, he disciplines us. Are we going to like discipline? I don't know about you, but I don't like it. But you know what? It shows that God loves me. Because a father who fails to discipline their children does not love them. Doesn't. He may say otherwise, I love you too much to discipline you. No. I discipline you because I love you. God is not cruel when he disciplines us. In fact, if God didn't discipline us, that would be cruel. If he never took an active part of my life, if he didn't order life or order people in my life to show some type of discipline, that would be cruel. God doesn't do that. God is at work in our struggles. He uses them to refine us. He uses them to chisel us through brokenness and repentance as a way to draw us back to His Word, to draw us back to His Son, to Jesus Christ. That's what that discipline is designed for. Now, as part of God's family, the godly realize that the purpose of discipline is not punishment. The purpose of the pain in our life is not punishment. And very often, when we end up hitting rock bottom in life, we figure out that that rock at the bottom is God. That's what that rock is when we hit it. It's God. Godliness like manliness and fatherliness is no easy task. Thankfully, God grades all three of them on a curve. Choosing to see us in the light of what Christ has done for us on the cross. Instead of how well we parent the kid, instead of how well we're able to start a campfire without matches, instead of how frequently we fill the offering plate, 
God judges us based on what Christ has done for us. Now to all you fathers, thank you for your manly ways, for what you do for your children, for how often you have shown your love to your children. You deserve a day of doing whatever you like. Even if it's falling asleep on the couch with two remote controls in your hand and a plate of what used to be nachos sitting on your belly. That's fine. You do whatever you want. That's manly. But what I encourage you to do from this point forward is to embrace the art of walking closer with the Creator. Let us all pursue the art of godliness. Let's be a people of unrelenting love and intellectual humility. We need to be the kind of people that steward our stuff for God's purposes and refuse to despise the Lord's discipline. Such a life is going to make my father proud going to make my father proud we're going to sing a song of encouragement if you have been struggling with godliness if you have been struggling with your relationship with God this morning we have an awesome opportunity right here and right now for you to make a change you can come forward when we sing this song and you can ask for help you know I know that most of us, we don't like to ask for help, do we? We like to say, I can do this on my own. Well, you know what? In the family of God, you can't do it on your own. All of us need help. I need your help, and you need our help. We all need help. And if you need help with godliness this morning, when we sing this song, come on up here and see one of our elders and let them know that you need help, and we'll get you the help that you need. But most of all, if someone here is not a Christian, if you're not a child of God this morning, God is offering you an invitation to be part of a family that is bigger than this here. A family that is worldwide and is time-wide. A family that on one day, we're all going to be together in the kingdom of God delivered to the Father by the Son Himself, and we get to spend eternity together. But if you're not a Christian this morning, you don't have that opportunity to do that. Make the decision this morning. If you need to be baptized to have your sins taken away this morning, we encourage you to do that this morning as well. Whatever your needs are this morning, come while we stand and sing.